Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Again, and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show. We're coming at you from CITR Radio up at the University of British Columbia on the unceded Musqueam Territory. The only soccer show on Vancouver Radio, actually, not even just FM Radio. There's just no other soccer shows just now. If you listen to this show on the podcast, this is episode 249. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhammer. And I'm Joe DC. Yes, we have a full house. He's doing double duty this week. The four horsemen of the apocalypse are in (laughs) the building. I don't know which one we would each be. We can work that out, Joe. I'm pestilence because I'm always sick. True, yeah. Religion-wise and you'd be wrath. wrath, Yeah, Yeah, I'll be wrath. Isn't it wraith in Scotland? Well, they're our big rivals, so no. (laughs) Definitely not wraith. Anyway, we've got a packed show for you tonight. We're going to aim to have it a little bit shorter than, than usual, just to give us a little bit more time to get this edited and out tomorrow. Isn't that always the aim? That is always my aim. But, yeah. I don't think we'll be over one o'clock tonight, is what I'm basically saying. I'm aiming for 12.30, but we'll see how that goes. Much like Eric Hurtado, your aim isn't always what ends up happening. I would say, I would say oh, Darren Maddox. I was, no, no, no. I would, no, this <laughs> week, I was, was going to say... I know, but that one shot that went up into oh, the... But what a week... For Vancouver Whitecaps. The invincible season is still on. We're two and two. Cock a hoop, I think, is the, the word to, to describe it. Surely you must be more excited about the Whitecaps and MLS this week than you were last week. I know. I was fine last week. Uh, yeah, you were better than Zach. No, better than, yeah. The preview show was full of positives. Yes, so yes, it was. We're all looking forward to every game. I'm very excited about the preview show. I'm really, really enjoying <laughs> the preview show. Thanks for doing. Thanks for all the work you're doing, Joe. Okay, let's let's get straight into the the Whitecaps action this week. A first ever win in Houston. They've, the White- they've dominated Dallas now. Uh, Texas. <sighs> yeah, Dallas I mean, last year, Houston this year. The, the Whitecaps they like to make a, a big deal about making history. I'd prefer they made history by winning the MLS Cup. <laughs> but, I mean, getting one, a win one, in Houston, that's a start. One step at a time. Yeah, wasn't, baby steps. wasn't last year the first point in Texas when they tied Possibly. in Houston? Yes. I, I think we should just move to Texas. One of the, Columbus have the right idea. I think, <laughs> I think someone needs to ask Mr. Whitecaps or someone about scheduling because one of the one of the things, and we have played Houston in March before, yeah. but it is so much nicer to play Houston or Dallas 
at, I, this time I, of I year. think there's a long lineup of opposition that wants <laughs> to play Houston in March instead of July and August. But it was still 28 degrees yeah. or something, right? And Robbo still had the sweater on. Yeah. I, was, I don't think it was as muggy as it usually is. I'm going to ask him at training this week what temperature it takes for him to take that sweater well, off. Well, he's more in the shade. He was. He's not like out. Yeah. We'll, we'll just see how hot he has to be before he takes his clothes off. That's the question to watch in the scrums this week. But yep, first ever win in Houston. Typical smash and grab away effort from the White Caps. Houston, 21 shots to the White Caps, 7. 67% possession to 33. Actually, I think it was 32.7% possession. I rounded it up. <laughs> wait, wait, and the thing is, I think that increased in the second half. Uh, I think it, at the at the halftime, it was 57 to 43. Oh, it just shows stats don't matter. It, yeah, it's well, I, th- I think what you do with the ball. I think because of that, that early goal in the second half, they kind of let possession go at that point. Yeah, let, let's just say they let the possession go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway... Before we get into the game, what, what's your general thoughts off the off the match? It's it's what you expect when they go on the road, especially in a place like Houston where they're not going to win that often. I think it was, a, it was a perfect game for them. Yeah, I think Rob was identified the game plan, and it, like from day one this season, he knows that just getting points on the road. Like I, I thought a draw would have been a good result, to be honest, but yeah. three, oh, three points is fantastic. Even in the 89th minute, I would have probably taken a draw. <laughs> Michael, can you tell us all what happened in the first four and a half minutes because you had access to it? Well, I th- yes. Let, let's let's talk about that. I, I'm lucky in that my MLS Live account doesn't have any blackouts because I, I write for the MLS website. So I got to watch the start of that until my computer froze. <laughs> And then I had to reboot it. So I think it was just a, an actual plan by somebody that right. no one was allowed to watch this. I think actually, I think TSN Go actually had it with... But Eventually, they didn't initially. But we were chatting and I said, oh, try TSN no, Go. No, no, they, they didn't. But that's because it, the match hadn't actually started. So I think the actual... You could actually see the whole game via TSN Go, but there was there was no commentary for that first four and a half minutes. Well, that that was a plus, I think. <laughs> maybe maybe the commentary team didn't have the picture because well, they were yeah, somewhere else. Of course, yeah, it would have been quite hard for them to do commentary if they're Wait, not watching the match. No, I'm sure they had the they, they had the feed if they wanted to do. Of they course. weren't they weren't at Peter Shad and Twitter. Or- who, I forget who the, the color commentator was. Were they on? on I don't know if they were. If they were for this, I one. don't, think, are, I don't think they travel all, all that often. Well, they, they're they're going to go to more away games. As of last year, they stopped. TSN yeah. stopped paying for them but to travel. They, but they are going to go to more of the Western games. Yeah, I'm year. sure that. But Houston is Houston is in the mid. West still. Yeah, even <laughs> even Corey Basso is like heading down to some of the games. Oh, oh, yeah, for, the, for the radio. Yeah. 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 Um. The the the, the, the funny you mentioned that because I I thought you know I'll, you know, I'll watch the first four and a half <laughs> minutes. I'll record the nine o'clock uh, version <laughs> of MLS. Little did I know when I started watching it, I saw tennis. Went oh. recorded forward recorded for fifteen minute tennis, tw- half an hour tennis. <laughs> Finally, I think it sh- the game showed up in the seventy second minute. Yeah, I actually they, they they started in progress when it's a re- match was already over. It wasn't even live. They I, they could have started it right after the tennis. I did the same thing. I actually re- yeah. <laughs> recorded it just in case and then when I saw the tennis I was just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> when the, I think they they clued in at the 72nd minute or yeah. 70th minute when It it was pretty shocking, but you kind of come to expect and curling does get more viewers than a, a white cap no, game. Okay. I have to admit that. D- yes, true. That's fair. I have no problem with that. They have five channels. Yeah, that's what my big that's problem is. That's my big okay, issue. Yeah. Okay, but they, their thing about the five channels is they're not true five channels, right? No, they're regional. Right, so, so two are regional. Two are national. You can three, stick the Whitecaps game on one of the Western regional yeah, ones. Yeah, but they can't do that because. They can, well, they can't do whatever they, can do they whatever want. They can do whatever they want. No, no, and I agree. What they need to be doing, 
right? And that, give up it, the rights to no, no. Okay, well, <laughs> what they need to be doing, which I, I, I we, we're talking on Twitter a little give bit. Give up the rights to us. <laughs> we could mixler it. <laughs> <laughs> no, what needs to happen? And it, t- forget about football, but you need to do a broadcast schedule where you uh, you allow for one sport yeah. to overrun. Whenever I see this a live event before a white cap, yeah, game, you know like, you're not oh. going to get to see the beginning. It, it, it's it's really yeah. the other thing that would help with that if there was. And I know this is money, and you know they're about making money. I understand that, but if you had a half an hour pregame show, this would also not be a problem. Yeah, when the match did kick off as late as possible, because I was watching that on MLS well, Live, and the players they done waiting. their huddle, yes. they've done the anthems, they're like just. Hanging and, around, trying to keep warm, trying not to like cramp up. And, and warm. Houston, and Houston tweeted <laughs> well, out. Yeah, I guess Houston, warm. Houston tweeted out that Canada loves curling so much that the game is delayed because of the oh, curling. Yeah, Houston, I think tweeted out from there. Uh, don't TSN games already have a seven-minute delay because they want to have a five-minute pregame show? Very probably. Like that's that, five minutes is not a pregame show. <laughs> It, it's enough for the like people at, on TSN to go through like what the formations people are. People have short attention like spans. <laughs> yeah, true. Before we get into the match, just want to read this tweet from Greg Petrie at Erdem World. He says, I'm curious as to why so many people think that the Whitecaps front office could negotiate a better TV deal than what the MLS did with TSN. I'm not saying it's perfect. I just don't think the Whitecaps front office could do better. Well, Basically, a lot of folk at the weekend were saying the Whitecaps should negotiate a deal like Seattle and LAFC and have like YouTube streaming and be in charge of their own rights. Well, my understanding is the Whitecaps do uh, do play a role in this. Uh, I'm happy to be corrected, but well, my, that's my understanding. Chris Corrigan found out that they had to buy their own DAZN subscription to find out what was going on because the, the MLS hadn't given them one. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I saw that yeah. too, but anyway, 30 let, days free trial though. Yes, and it highly recommended. They're not sponsoring us yet. But if they're listening, get in touch. Let's get into the match. First half, we were under the cosh a little bit initially. Houston had a couple of decent early chances. Probably should have scored at least one of them. They, they had a missed couple, the nets, yeah. Yeah, yeah Wenger and Minotis. Um, uh, Wenger? Wenger. Wenger. Wenger? How does he pronounce it? I don't know. Arson Wenger. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but Vancouver, we took the lead. 28th minute. Kai Kamara was brought down. Was that a penalty for you? I think so. I think in the letter of the law, yeah. Like it, the the moment that Senderos touches, like pushes Kamara in the back, is crucial, right? If yeah. it was if it was half a second before or after, like Kamara would have had his foot planted. But Senderos knows what he's doing. Yeah. I I didn't think it was when I first saw it, but I think it is. And it was a, it was a, a whistle right away. There was no doubt yeah. in. Uh, oh yeah, Uncle it, Ted. Did Uncle Ted. Well. T- yeah. It, it's in the sweet spot that like. If the ref didn't call it, it would not have been a VAR decision no. because it wasn't that obvious, right? No. Yeah. But the ref did call it. And you can't, I, like, Senderos looked really puzzling, puzzlingly at the referee for like a good 30 seconds after. It definitely it was wasn't a very neutral move by him. <laughs> I, I felt similar to Michael in that when I saw it, I thought harsh. And then when I saw the replay, I thought, okay. Yeah. However, if the if the shoe was on the other foot, oh, yeah. We'd be very we're complaining. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Although there was a couple of, of those later on. Right, Kamara. Got him, picked himself up. Him and Fonzie. Oh, they were at the penalty spot at one point. I thought it was Fonzie wanting to take well, this. No, no, no. no Jordy, Jordy, Jordy had the ball. Reina. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, I know. But then Fonzie was there. I was just being funny. I think Fonzie was just trolling him. And like I, like before, Kamara's never had problems with penalty no, issues. No, exactly. So it's fine, right? But Kamara, 300th MLS match. Slotted home his 100th regular MLS regular season goal. 
But she was talking afterwards. It was hilarious. It's like, yeah, I thought I'd already reached that landmark. But <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know they didn't count Yeah, they don't really count regular season games, which really annoys me when I'm trying to find stats. Yeah. And whenever I talk about player stats, I always lump in the postseason. But two for two. Now, my, my tip for him winning the Golden Boot is looking good. He's on course for a 34-goal season. Is it, was anyone kind of concerned about... Uh, his PK taking style. A couple of folk I saw yeah. that said that on on Twitter that they thought he telegraphed it a little bit too much. And then I think it felt like when after he kicked it too, he was like he was like nervous, like he was like well, clenched up, and we were hoping it got. Anyone fine. that does a stutter step, I yeah. get worried about. Yeah. The thing is, I watched it a few times, and he, you know, like when you go to your first ever soccer practice when you're however old, huh. the, the the coach says, "Point your uh, the foot the foot that you plant pointed in the direction that you want to kick the ball." Right? Kamara actually pointed it the other way. So if the goalie was reading it in that sense, mm. looking at what his planting foot was, he would have dived the wrong way. And then he put it, like, not into the side of the net, but kind of into the corner. So yeah. it wasn't a bad penalty or anything. I was always He had enough pace on it, for sure, to get by the keeper. I didn't think it was a horrible penalty. You know? I just think down was, the road, I, I think. Yeah. And, and I think a better keeper well, could have gone he, to that. As long as he kind of changes it up a little bit over it. Now, then, the, yeah, the big change, in the big turning point in the first half. Yeah. And we've got some, some and it was, updated news. On it that was today. scary looking too because yeah. he couldn't breathe. He was. Oh, we're talking about Marcel De Jong. Yeah, um, it was a harmless look. I don't even know when it happened. It, he seemed to get hit in the stomach with a ball just before it. Well, he they say, they're saying it, they're saying it was it, a chest, and yeah. the, heat, the heat wouldn't have helped that. No, either. no, definitely not. I mean, he said he couldn't breathe. So right yeah, away, you're and, you, and you could read his lips. Uh, yeah, you, you saw him throwing up. Yeah. But then, hit, as he hit, hit the deck, his face was so red, red. I was really concerned for yeah. him. I haven't heard your updated news, but I have a friend in uh, I have a friend in a uh, Houston hospital. So I sent a message. that was going on. So I heard the I heard the ribs are not broken. It, no, it just the lungs it are still blown. Chest contusion. Chest contusion. He's been released from hospital. He's headed home with the Whitecaps, and he is going to get seen by the Whitecaps doctors w- on Monday. What a chest contusion is! It doesn't mean anything's broken. Yeah, his, his ribs are fine. It's just it's just, it's just a blunt trauma to the chest. Yeah, I swear, I've, I've had it happen to me before. Because Robo said afterwards he was coughing up blood. Yeah. So, so I uh, the X-ray people said no broken bones, but but his lungs are filled with blood. I I had it not as serious as that, but I did have it where I got hit in the chest and I couldn't like it was basically it felt like 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 the whole the way all the wind got knocked out of you. And if I see him this week, he'll say Steve said man up. He's had it before. <laughs> oh, I believe me, I, I I wouldn't have been able to walk. I didn't walk for like a good five minutes before it happened to me. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it was really scary. He, l- luckily, he, when he got up and started walking away, then you knew it was okay, kind of, because there was no call for a doctor or emergency yeah. situation. But then Breck Shea came on, who I thought was going to slot in at left back, but nope. instead they put Fonzie back there. Because MLS rules say you can't have both teams have a DP at left back. That's why they had to do that. Oh, yeah. is that one of these rules you don't know about? It's a yet. napkin right, one, yeah. Okay. Did you like Fonzie as I left back? So. I mean, we, the interview we had with him last week, he talked about playing left back and he didn't think he was very good at playing as a left back because when, when he's played wing back he said Robo just told him basically just run up and down the wing <clears throat> great great advice no but he's always had the defensive acumen to, to play yeah. uh, on the left wing so all he had to do was transfer it and when he had a breakaway at one point yeah. when he was playing left back I'm like why are you up there well, yeah, there. <laughs> well, then Brexit yeah. should have. He needs to recognize that and fall back. Yeah, then at but that point, Houston's style isn't one that like would exploit 
the fullback if the ball gets crossed in from yeah. the other side, right? It's more direct than that. And at least like switch sides after one matchup he with did. Davies. Yeah. Maybe he knew that he didn't have, he, he could beat Marcel de Jong for pace, but he couldn't beat Davies for pace. Yeah, and and that's when it that's when the goal happened. Yeah, I mean Houston yeah. Albert Ellis got the equalizer. <laughs> Call him what he is. <laughs> it was a nice move by him. Yeah. Cut inside Norwinsky jumped in. Yeah, way too Mond, early. Mond, I thought he's going to block it or at least get something on yeah. it. Nope. And then I think the time it got to Marinovic, I'm not really sure it that he had enough off. time to yeah, react. Well, it deflected, deflected off Norwinsky as well. Yeah. The move was okay. Like, 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 And when you're in that part of the pitch, that seems the natural move. When you're a right-footed player on the left side in tight like that, cut it back onto your right and smash it in or bend it in. It was, it was a little bit disappointing that Jake bit so hard. And and Mon wasn't able to make a play. One one at the halftime. Then Houston kinda they came out strong at the start of the second half, but the Texan terror. The super sub. Yeah, he terrorizes Texas teams. Breck Shea. Breaking Houston Hearts. With a great goal for two one. It's fantastic. It's an underrated part of uh, Breck Shea's game, I think, is his pace. Like he's mm. so tall, his long strides. Must be hard to keep up with. Like but, there was no one within what ten meters of him I when he slotted so. that home. Yeah, yeah. I, as soon as he bore down on, on the keeper, I fancied him to put that way. I didn't for a minute think he was going to miss. It, I, was, it was a tight spot too, but he, had, he didn't have that much space on that side. And also there was there was somebody bearing down from the opposite, uh, from the right side, from the I middle. Think. Yeah, yeah, from the middle. But uh, one thing I want to talk about: nice play by Kai Kamara. Yeah, to mm. get him the yes. ball in that spot. It yeah. was it was it was a great play. It was Breck to Kai. Back to Breck, and it was like a cool. Yeah, it was a nice one too. I for a moment, Michael. I know you're like, oh, I knew he was going to score. For a moment, I had like a flash of like, I think he was in alone away to Tigris in Monterey, <laughs> and that just flashed through my head. Oh, he and didn't I was fall like, fall over this time yeah. for no reason. So I mean, that 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 was a start. But for a former FC Dallas player, the, the Houston yeah. fans must really really yes. not like him. And we'll talk a little bit more about Shea in the second part. But I mean, after that, the Caps had to hang on for over. 40 minutes, really. Did you like how they killed the game off? Did you think they did a good job? Wilmer Cabrera didn't. Said, as we'll hear soon, that they dived all over the place. The referee should have done something about that. Said it was like just managing the game. I think his, own, players, exactly the I think his own players were diving in the early yes. parts of the game trying to get a penalty. I mean, it was yeah. at least that did, was Did you feel that. they did a good job killing the game off? I'm a big fan of the Jose Mourinho dark arts. Um, like, if it's my team, obviously. If, yeah. it's, if it's the other team, it drives me nuts. But oh, yeah. It's game management, right? And it just shows that the squad has some experience. They know how to handle the situations that they're in in the game. And like this was kind of a low consequence game, but if they were doing that in a big game, like towards the end of the season, you'd be applauding them off the field if they did it successfully. My, my only issue with the the that whole second half after they went up two one was the gl- Aaron Mond glitching on that one play <laughs> where he didn't even I don't know if he knew where he was and, and the, I don't know who the player was, but he had a free shot oh, and Marinovic was able to stop it. But that was Wenger, right? Yeah, yeah. possibly. But uh, th- that was the only issue. Other than that, I thought they played very clean to kill the game it, off. I think I texted you, Mike. It totally reminded me of like old school Wesley Charles back in the USL yeah. days. So every game between the 75th and 80 minute mark, he would go, to, he would just go down because he just needed a breather. <laughs> Well, Felipe did well. Went yeah. down with cramps. Cramp. They didn't let Reina went down cramps. Yeah, they didn't, didn't let the, the got up and kept playing. on, so he didn't have to then go back off again. It was fantastic. Yeah. But as I said, Cabrera didn't like the Whitecaps' tactics. So we're going to hear now from both coaches. First of all, from Wilmer Cabrera, and then from the gaffer himself, Carl Robinson. Hey, the type of lose when we in 
in the race. Hey, we up in the place and we gon' put it in their face. Let them know. Houston Dynamo. Oh, Houston Dynamo. Oh, Houston Dynamo. Oh, Houston Dynamo. Yes, um, I think... Uh, and I've been telling the players that um, throughout the season we're going to have this type of games where teams are going to come, going to drop, and they're going to try to counterattack us because they see that we our strength is the speed of front. Anyway, we <clears throat> we I think the the game plan was very good, and uh, we created very good chances at the beginning of the game, but we didn't put the ball in the net. And when you don't punish your opponent, then you give them chance to did what they did. They they took a PK and then they started defending and tried to steal one ball in counterattack and transition to try to score another one. And even though we tied the game uh, and uh, we were dominating in possession, we weren't sharp, sharp enough to to finish our possibilities and uh, and individually we didn't have the best games offensively and the guys that went in they try also but they weren't as sharp to 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 be able to finish but uh, the other team uh, they managed to kill the time and and I think in this case uh, the referee. Uh, didn't have a great game managing how they were diving for everything and, uh, you know, killing the rhythm of the game. You know, when you're playing at home, you want to go. And when you're visit, uh, visiting team, you want to kill the game, especially you're winning. And he allowed them to kill the game. Uh, too many stops, too many guys, you know, blocking across and then diving cramping and you know wasting time and uh, I don't think uh, Ted had a good um, game in that aspect managing the game and allowed them to do what what they wanted to do kill the time and break the rhythm of the game and and at the end they scored two goals and we only scored one feels great. We know it's a difficult place to come to. Every team that come here has to deal with intense pressure. We were no different today. We know they're a good team. That's why they got an amazing record at home. So we had to weather the storm a little bit, um, but we planned for it all week. We were prepared for it. We knew that they would put crosses into the box and we dealt with it. And when we got our chances, we took our chances. So a lot of you know credit goes to the guys in there from Stefan to Kai and, and the subs that come on, but they put a terrific amount of work in today. Talk a little bit about Kai, his uh, 300 game in MLS, he scored his 100th regular season goal, uh, just first game of the Yeah, I think it's fitting that he scored the, you know, the 100th goal here as well at Houston. I know that he's got an affinity here and they love him here. Uh, we love him in Vancouver now. Uh, that's you know, It's an incredible feat to score 100 goals and uh, he deserves it. He wanted the ball. I think he's got the ball, uh, and everyone should be congratulating him today on an amazing effort. But I won't, f- you know, from one to eleven in there, the effort that my boys put in was fantastic uh, against a really, really strong home team. Yeah, yeah, he done great when he came on. It was a, an injury to Marcel, who was coughing up blood, so we're a little bit worried about that because he's gone to hospital. Um, so we're a little bit scared. Uh, Fonzie went to left back and Brett come on and 
he fitted in as if he'd started the game. And full credit to Breck when he when he gets his chance, he always scores his chances, and uh, he deserves all the plaudits as well today. Um, we saw Alfonso play left back in the preseason. How how important was that to now see him well, I didn't want to play him there, to be honest, but obviously unforced injury to Marcel. But he's 17 years of age and he looked like he'd played left back all his life. So full credit to him, as I said, but you know, I, I won't be pushing him too much to play left back. I think he's a wide player, but having the ability to play in multiple positions is very, very good. And, and Breck offered to play left back as well, but I just thought it was the right thing to do because Ellis is a key player for them and I thought he handled him very, very well. The gaffers there, Whitecaps Kyle Robinson and Houston's Bruno Mars, <laughs> giving their thoughts on the, the match on Saturday. Um, not not a very happy Wilmer Cabrera, not, not a good loser, you think you'd be used to it in Houston, but anyway, <laughs> we're going to look at some of the individual Whitecaps players' performances in pack two, and we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Alfonso Davies, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back. You're listening to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio. So in this second part, we're going to look at some of the individual performances from the Houston game and just some of the big talking points coming out of that going into next week's match with Atlanta. Let's kick things off with a, a look at things at the back. Stefan Marinovic, he didn't train this week when he was in Vancouver. I didn't mention it because obviously you don't want to tip off the opposition. But I didn't think he was going to make it. I, I really thought Brian Rowe was going to get the start. He had the flu. Some of the early shots of him on the pitch at Houston, he looked rough. He looked like dishevelled. He'd just come in from a night out. It looked like he was still feeling the effects of the flu. Well, well Rowe's going to play on the 24th, right? Not necessarily. That's oh, all I'll say. I feel bad for the all-whites. Um, yeah, no, I, th- I thought... Uh, the goal, I think you, you're, he's left a little hung out to dry there. It felt like not much he could do. Yeah. Those the the two saves that were almost kind of back to back in the second half. One down to his left, one down to his right. I like a good sprawling stop. Then you would have enjoyed both of those. I did very much so. I like the. I can't remember if it was the first or the second one. Pete Shad was just playing down. It wasn't a very good save, and then he watched the replay. Like, oh no, no, it was a it was hey, a good save. Pete's a keeper. He knows. Hmm. The defense on the whole. I mean, we, we talked about Davies and, and his play in part one, but what do you think of Mond and, and Waston together this week? Mond had his moments where you start, you were getting worried a little bit, um, I, especially late in the game. I don't know if it was the heat, of course. And like we said, it was only 28 degrees. Uh, but it seemed like he wore down and forgot like his positioning and everything like that. I think Waston really kept him in line. 
I think I wasn't really concerned with their defensive side of things, but like we know Waston likes to hit a long ball, but the amount of times he knocked it into nobody really yeah. was a little bit concerning for me. And there was kind of I was trying to look at the relationship between like Waston Mond and Marinovic, right? Um, we're used to David Usted like yelling every time there's a sniff of a shot, and Marinovic doesn't talk at all. It seems like he just you know, maybe it was the flu. That this maybe. Week. maybe. <laughs> David is not yelling at his defenders in no, DC as much anymore. as here, I noticed. Or he's I yelling too much. He had a lot to yell about today. Yeah. I, th- I was just interested, like, I guess Waston's the captain. Um, he will be in charge of organizing, but, like, it, it, either way you look at it, it, the dynamic has changed because it seemed to me before that David Usted was the one kind of organizing and, you know, calling people out, yeah. which we know he does. Um but now is it Waston? Like, is he that kind of character? Marinovic is a yeller. It might have been the effects of the flu that he he wasn't yelling. I mean, at training he he's yelling and stuff. So I mean, I, I think he is a vocal keeper, but not as much as Usted because no one is really. Waston is definitely. I, w- I agree with you. He's definitely the organizer of those huddles at yes. the end of the halves and the games. Yes. Where yeah. it gets everybody together in a circle. Again, I'm not concerned about like the organization. I'm just curious to see what the hierarchy is now. Because hmm. a leader has moved on, and like inevitably there will be change there. Do you keep Mond and Waston together for this weekend? Do, do we even look at going three at the back to kind of match up with the Atlanta's three five two? I think I think you do. I know some of you might want to see a formation change or whatever, but I think I think you stay with four at the back and you keep Mond in there. I don't want to see a formation change. I do want to see a personnel change because Atlanta are. A lot of things, but they are not a like a target or a direct no, team. Yeah. And the strength of having Waston and Mond is that directness. So I would rather have someone more mobile in there, so that Waston can be the cover and the person who's faster can go and challenge so the ball. Uh, uh-huh. Aha! <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna say Tim Parker. <laughs> um, no, but no, I'd, I'd I, like to see Aha standing there, saying to like, "Come on!" And then take on he's me. he's from the East. He's played obviously against Atlanta a little bit more last year. I don't know how many times he played against Atlanta, but he has like kind of an idea what they he kind of then Mon does right because Mon played RSL and came but, from RSL to Vancouver, so a little bit more of a um, familiarity with yeah. Atlanta. It depends on who is the more mobile and you know pacey of. Well, they said Aha was good with the ball. Yeah, they said he was, was comfortable on the ball. Yeah, back, so. But do we need a ball playing centre back? Like the way I think we do. The way we're, the way we're going to play at Atlanta is going to be the, kind of the same way we're going to play. We have played against Houston. This is when Kendall Waston's get the ball, punt it forward is going to be good. It's punt great it everywhere. But, but who's going to run onto it? Like if Christian Chera does that, the yeah. If Davies isn't playing left back, and it helps, he his, his, it helps his clearance clause in his contract. He gets those mm. bonuses. Every <laughs> yeah. time well, he I, the ball. I mean, it does look like De Jong. I mean, we don't want to step too much in the toes of the preview podcast, but it does look like De Jong's going to probably miss out. I can't see a guy that's got a lot of blood in his lungs making it on Saturday. Who do you put in that left back then? If you're keeping four at the back, who takes that left back role? Do you do you keep with Davies? Do you put Breck Shea in there? Justin Fittis is actually still rehabbing, so he's not good to go. Brett Levi's was on the training pitch this week, but that would be a big thing to now, throw if, him in for. If you have a lot of people in the midfield, do you put Russell Tybert at the left back? Because he's played there in the past. But he has, it's been a long time since he's played there. I think you go I think you go I'm not saying this is what I want, but I think they I think they go with Davies. Because one of the things about Davies' pace is that it allows him to make up sometimes for errors or reading a player wrong or whatever. And so his speed slash athleticism allows him to to recover, which I think 
will be important against Atlanta. But I also think that could Franklin play there possibly. I think, I think he. I think he. I think he's veteran, a veteran enough box. player to do that. Yeah, yeah. switch. I, if in an ideal world, I would like that because y- you don't want to put a midfielder in a fullback position because, you know, there's inherent things in defending that you won't have naturally, like instinctually, as a midfielder. And the way Atlanta play, you need someone who has a bit of experience defending back there. I wouldn't be a fan of of Russell Tybert there. And Davies, like maybe, you know, he he's full of surprises and exceeds mm. expectations all the time. My, my worry would be that you've got two young fullbacks. Like if you go with Davies and Nerwinski, but I mean, you talked about Franklin. <laughs> do, do you put him in at right back? How did you feel Jake's performance was against Houston? Not great. He like he was probably the person most culpable for the goal. But, like, other than that, he was okay, I, I thought. It kind of feels that he gets himself in a bit of trouble yeah. sometimes. He recovers well, yeah. but he seems to get turned a little bit inside and out. I think it's his first touch he doesn't do himself favours with. So he brings the ball away from the player that is trying to close him down. But in doing that, he closes down a bunch of options that he could have. So he ends up knocking the ball long forward or out for a throw or, like, passing it back to the goalie or something. In in protecting the ball, I think he doesn't... Um, open up options for himself going and, forward. And with it being his second year, he's got the co- opposition coaches have tape on him now. So they know his weaknesses, they know where they can exploit him and that's probably maybe that's what's happening right now. And I think the person he's going to match up with will uh, like in in the Atlanta game will be the person who like beat him to rookie of the year last year basically. I yeah. think he came third last year, right? It was uh, Julian Gressel is yeah. the is the Atlanta pick from the last season. Gressel was uh, well last game I think he was out on the right a lot. So he, yeah, it would be Maybe opposite he, side. They probably switch back and forth. We had a couple of tweets. One from Angus Walker, who liked Davies at left back, and says he would play him there ahead of of Shea and De Jong all all season. It seems a waste of his talents to it's, have him back there. It's the reverse Gareth Bale syndrome. <laughs> well, we we did do a poll. Do you want to go with that right now? Yeah, well, why not? Um, we asked, uh, "Do you like Alfonso Davies at left back?" The options were yes. Adds another element to his game. No, it's a waste of his talent, like you just said. Um, we had the results, and they are 50, uh, 60% say yes, 40% say no. Now, I'm thinking of that. It's hard to tell how, of that 60% how many are okay with it as a temporary one and how many like it as a yeah. permanent one. That's we, have, one thing. we have one sample. Game. Yeah, exactly. Like, and against Atlanta, it's not going to be an easy match um, playing fullback at all. Uh, okay, how about the midfield? What are you guys' thoughts? Uh, you got you had Juarez, Tybert, and Felipe in this midfield. Um, it, obviously, they weren't keeping possession, as we saw by the stats, but how do you think their game was overall? I thought it was a good dynamic. Um, they clearly were set out to stifle rather than to create. Um, Tybert's really exceeded my expectations already. Um, I think he's been playing really well on both sides of the ball, really. Uh, Felipe, didn't notice him too much, but... like. His game management at the end was very evident. Um, and Reina, Reina, who was in, in and out of that central role, did not have a very good game, I thought. <laughs> That's where I thought the the setup in the midfield, on the, I think the, broad, the broadcast called it a 4-3-3, and Reina was out right where Chichero was the week before. Uh, I know it didn't fully look like that all the time, but I think, I think Felipe's role in the middle, being put into middle, and him being more asked to do stuff on the right side impacted his game and or he just had a really off day because he was not in fine form. He was not. I mean, 
Where do you see Reyna's role being in the team now? Wide player, which it looks like that could be the option if you're going with Felipe as the 10, or does he alternate with Felipe as the 10? Do we see him as a regular starter now, which is crazy to think the way that he played last year that we're even talking about that. Yeah. I'm still not sure where Felipe ranks in our uh, like attacking midfield ranking. You know? I, I genuinely think he's been brought in to be the, the, the start in 10. Yeah. Okay. Then that means Reyna would either have to be farmed out on the right, which he has to fight with Teixeira, or he has to stake a claim as the like shadow striker or whatever if we're playing a two, like a 4 2 3 1. Um, it's a tough one, really. Granted, had a good season last season. He was like our best attacking player. Oh, that's why it's like crazy to think that he might not even be a starter this year. But can Felipe play deeper? He can. Yeah. But then who do you leave out? But I think it could be like a home team and away team situation. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, I mean, it'll be possible. depending on the situation of what what they want looking for. Are they looking for more attack? Are they looking yeah. for more, where? Do they think they can exploit? Uh, uh, the the defense, the opposition defense with Reina, or do they think that they they maybe can, and so they want to sit back a little bit? I'll tell you what, when Gazal comes back, we're gonna have a real headache. Like, or is he, or yeah, is he a center back? back yeah. Yeah. Center back yeah. and three at the back. <laughs> Gazal at center back is the reason why the Whitecaps are better without Tim Parker. Have you not been listening to Bobo? <laughs> no, it it is a huge conundrum. I, I if if Felipe's dropped back into the two, then it's most people would say it's Russell Tybert. But it, it feels harsh to yeah. drop him for his contributions and uh, or his, per- but his performance in the preseason. But he would take it better as well, which is not the reason to do it. But I mean, he's a guy that knows his place. But but the player roles like there's a defending central midfielder and there's a more box to box central midfielder. Yes, and I so, think we can all agree Russell's the defender. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's Gazal's role that Russell has right now. Yeah, and then so it's Juarez's role that Felipe would take. Well, going back to Reina, I say just have a rotation. Well, there's a good chance we will see that. Draw lots every game and see who gets to start in the midfield. Going back to Reyna, could we even see him being sold? I know there was some interest from Peruvian clubs last year. There was all this trouble that he's had in the off-season. He was left out of the Peru squad for their upcoming friendlies as well. So if he's wanting to, to get into the frame for the World Cup, he needs to be playing and needs to be playing well. He may feel that his chance to do that isn't here in Vancouver. Or he might be happy to be away from all this stuff in Peru and and be here in Vancouver. Can a Peruvian team accept a player during this MLS tr- transfer window? Well, it's a, well it depending on their, their windows, windows open. open, yeah. Right. They're That's all. Okay. That's, yeah. Is there? Do we know? If, no. no idea. Can someone check the windows in Peru? Tweet us. If only there was something like the internet that we could just look up at this moment. <laughs> Joe's on it. Oh yeah, there we yep. go. But I mean, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Reina moves on. I I kind of. I'm kind of 50-50. I would think if he does move on, it's in the summertime. But I don't think he moves on this early. I don't uh, want him to. I'll just yeah. to, to stress that as well because he was so talented last year. He just doesn't feel to be on the same page as the rest of the attack. And that's going to come. And let's be honest, there are two games out of the season. Who cares if he doesn't find it until the second half of the season and then lights like, it up? Like, that's, like last year. Yeah, maybe that's what really matters. Maybe it's the lack of hair. I think it's like Samson. He's changed him, yeah. It's like he's cut off those locks and then everything is gone. Somebody, though, that hasn't cut off his locks is Breck Shea. He's wearing those hats, though. Beautiful locks. Well, they're tied up in a man bun most of the time, but when he has them down, they're flowing. I, I love my flowing hair in a guy. Unless he's wearing Just a hat. taste. Unless he's wearing a hat. Well, yeah. And then I know, mean, as we know, Breck loves, loves his hats. hats. Gets criticised for them, but he loves his hats. Super sub, as we talked about. I've mentioned before that I like what he brings to that subs role. There was a big discussion, which 
I hadn't been on Twitter one night this week and I came back and I was involved in a conversation that had about 30 tweets in it. I love when that happens. <laughs> um, most folk not fans of Shea because of the DP tag. But something, and I mean, we've mentioned it before, but something to remember, there's very little difference between a DP player and a TAM player because they're basically the same thing. Yeah, especially at their levels. Yeah, because he's, he's a low DP player. No, a, da- but it's a this, TAM it's, player, sorry, not a damn, a TAM player it's a, basically a one DP million or less. player that's been bought down. No, but it has, they have to be one million or less. Yeah, yeah which that's is what we're saying. Which is so it's Brexit. basically the same as Shea. Yeah. Shea could be a TAM player, and then one of her TAM guys oh, could be a DP. No, no, like, like he we should thought, be like, a TAM player at the best. Yeah. No, no, we, like we thought Kai Kamara. We thought Kai Kamara yeah. was going to be a DP, and Shea was going to be TAM. They just switched the Basically, wolf. what I'm saying is the DP tag doesn't matter a jot anymore. Because we've got all these guys that could be DPs, but they've been bought down in TAM. We discussed last week why Shea probably hasn't been. And, and but no, it does matter in the built in the makeup of the squad because you're not using those spots properly. It does matter. But it, it doesn't. It, no, it we've does. Got vacant spots. If it, if it gives if it gives the team more flexibility uh, for the yes, maybe the summertime, I think it's worth it. And also, uh, just for CRTC uh, thing, uh, DP means designated player. But. But no, it, it, dude, they haven't opened they haven't opened designated player spot for the yes, summer they already. Do. They do. You're right there. It still but gives them flexibility. It's about availability too, though, Zach. Right? Like, if there's no DP caliber player to bring in, they wouldn't have been able to do it anyways. Really? They, yeah, they, they're not they, allowed to sign. Somebody. They've inherited this salary. I don't care what he's getting paid. If he is scoring, like, winning goals, and earning us three points, that's all I care about. So they, you're saying in the entire world, there's no designated player. Uh, level player available, Joe. No, they weren't targeting any. They had nobody in target. Ex- to sign. That, and that's the problem. <laughs> no, but well, you don't want to just bring someone in for the sake of bringing well, someone in. They couldn't use Tam on him because they didn't have anybody to sign because they have to sign somebody no, um, at or above no, his no, rate. No, okay, no, no, no. It's because they're only allowed to. They're they, the, the people making the decisions have been told they can only spend so much. Okay, and they're at that. Okay, Zach. Okay, okay, Zach. Blame the front office as usual. Actually, I did look up something earlier. Uh, everyone, like this Brexit argument has been like brewing for a while. Yes. And I, I had to like go back and think, what did we get Brexit for? And then I went back. To score what, goals off the bench. Uh, and No, but who did we trade him yeah. for? And then I went all the way back. So we, we traded Brexit for Giles Barnes. Yes. Oh. The two-goal wonder, the, the Giles The guy Barnes. that did not want to be here. And with his injuries, shouldn't have been playing on turf in the first place. And we traded Giles Barnes for the rights to Kaner Brown. Who came to who went to Houston on loan for and played four games that we played for his rights and some gam which wasn't specified back then which is a good return for yeah, I think a so. player that would didn't didn't do much and some gam but, but you're forgetting also that the Giles Barnes thing happened because of the whole Fabian Espindola debacle debacle yes let's let's not go this spiral over keeps on going history. down and down right let's go back to more recent history in one word or two if you want to use both their names who was your man of the match from Saturday. I a lot of people will say Marinovic, but I think for proving everyone wrong, I'm gonna go Brexhay just to just to say I, he played well defensively. He slotted back into left back a few times when Davies did go forward and scored the winning goal. Like hard to hard to knock him for anything else. For me, it's uh, the Black Panther Kai Kamara, or actually oh. Killmonger. He's calling himself Killmonger, so I should say Killmonger. I have no idea what that means. That makes me a little bit sad because Killmonger and a spoiler. <laughs> Killmonger. Well, it's not a spoiler if you read the comics, right? Okay. But if you haven't seen the movie, yeah. But but <laughs> can but, you just give us our man in the match? I, 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 I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Kai Kamara for uh, uh, converting the penalty and the assist. Well, I'm going with my Kiwi, Big Steph. He was my man in the match. But what did our listeners and our Twitter readers think? We'll find out now 
as we rank them, baby. So, Steve, you did your you had, you had your monkeys at work over the weekend again. Yeah, they kept misspelling all the names. Oh, they're terrible. <laughs> monkeys with typewriters. Yes. Um, so uh, we had the ranking. Basically, uh, we asked you to rank 1 to 14 because they used 14 players. Uh, Stefan Marinovic was number one. Oh, he's our Kiwi. After him in, in the top five, you got Kai Kamara, number two, Alfonso Davies, number three, Kendall Watson, number four, and Breck Shea, number five. Mm. Um, funny enough, the bottom, uh, it was a starter, the last place. It wasn't a backup. Interesting. It was Sabamin. It was Jordi Reyna. Had Who the, I voted for 14th. Yeah, so you weren't the only one. Um, so he was the bottom, and then you even had... Marcel De Jong was second last, but obviously that was because of the injury that he was. That's a bit uh, harsh. harsh. Yeah. Very <laughs> harsh. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, Brexhay was pretty high for, for being the sub, but he yeah. did c- play the most out of everybody too. I, I when I filled out that survey earlier, I had to think really hard before I pressed submit. Did Jordi, Jordi Reyna do anything that I can remember? Yeah, and that's why I yeah. couldn't. The only there thing was I a moment in the second half when he was on a breakaway, and I was like, "Oh yeah, Reyna's playing." I genuinely had forgotten. He also I, I, cut his hair, so it's hard to remember that he's. Well, there. yeah. Whenever I see him at training, I don't even realize it's. The him. only thing I remember of Jordi Reyna is holding the ball when Kai Kamara was about to take the penalty. That's the only thing that I remember <laughs> not a good thing to remember him no. for. He just wants to get his goal, goal bonus. Where did uh, where did uh, Jordan Much rank on? Jordan your... Much uh, was a third from the bottom. Third from the bottom. Yeah. He came, what ten minutes in he limited had, time? Roughly? Yeah, it was yeah. ten minutes. So you don't expect him to did some have closing. That he was yeah. above Reina, but he, but and sure. he was above but an injured I think somebody Marcel mentioned Dio. somebody mentioned it on Twitter. He while he you know obviously he wasn't spectacular, but he seemed to settle down the team, and yeah. he he connected well with Russell Tybert in that midfield too. He's probably also never played in that kind of heat he in did, a yeah. time exactly. match. Yeah, exactly, and it, his pasty white skin really stood out, so you knew where he was in the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. So watch out for those rankings on Twitter every week. And then at the end of each month, we're kind of going to bring you a running total. And when we do our end of season awards, we'll, we'll give something to that. So just before we wrap this section up, Caps are now going to head into Atlanta. We'll have our preview podcast out probably on Thursday. And there's going to be at least one, maybe two special interviews in that podcast as well. So watch out for that from Joel, Gideon, Nicholas. We'll talk a tiny little bit about that game just now. Atlanta won today, 3-1 against DC. They, they looked strong, not overly impressive. Well, but they had to look strong considering they lost 4 nothing in the first yeah. week. <laughs> Darren Maddox. Yeah. Atlanta looked dangerous in both wings. Um, our left-hand side, as I was trying to explain earlier, I feel could be under a bit of threat next weekend, especially with De Jong being out. Whoever plays there definitely needs to play defence and be conscious that they're there to defend and not go tearing up. Basically, in a kind of what Nerwinski was given against Piatti last week, don't go tearing up the wing. That's why I'm not sure that Davies is the is best used back there. I think Breck Shea would probably be the better guy to do that. Sean Franklin. I think I like f- that. if Franklin can play there, I would go with Franklin, but Breck Shea would probably be my second option as well. Did anything, I mean, did, did, I don't know if you watched the, the Atlanta game today or the highlights, but did anything give you hope? For me, it's that Gonzalez is terrible on their back line. Um, I really think we could we could take advantage of that. They let Darren Matic score, so obviously their defence isn't fantastic. 
you just feel that they've got the ability that when they need to, they'll turn it up a gear. They lost 4 0 to Houston, too. Is that. Yeah. I know it was a way. That was a way. They they've self destructed in that Houston game, just giving the ball away. Yeah, I think they, they were too attacking. Yeah, this is only the second time the Caps have played Atlanta. Um, last season was at home and they they won. The Whitecaps won. Um, oh, I don't remember them playing in BC plays. So I wish somebody had told us. There was a promotional video. Well, was that there? Really, yeah. Ah. <laughs> okay, I missed that. Um, uh, but the thing is, that was uh, like the home version of the Whitecaps and. The mm. like the the home version of Atlanta are the anti away version of the Whitecaps. You know, like they'll they'll all all about possession, and I really think it's going to be like we're going to see like record low possession stats for the Whitecaps um, next weekend. Awesome! I look forward to that. Double digits? Yeah. Double, uh, over under? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go in the twenties. In the preview podcast, we do have a prediction yeah. game, and uh, I think it's going to be interesting if anyone goes for possession uh, in, the, in the middle. Twenty of the week. to twenty-five. That's my prediction. Okay. Wow, that'd be like a new low, right? Mm. Yeah. I was going to go 17. Just before we actually wrap this up, I just want to quickly just get your thoughts on this. A couple of folk on Twitter and our good friend Matic, who listens to the podcast and leaves lots of comments on AFTN, made a comment about this as well on our match report from the game. He didn't like how the Whitecats played and he'd rather that they were more like Montreal had played and lost. He just wishes that they were more attacking. And there's folk that they didn't like how the Whitecaps sit out their stall which we know that's what they're going to do they just want them to attack and if it means that they lose so be it and I just don't get that attitude at all by any means necessary as I always say I think the bigger issue will come with is if they keep that approach at, in home matches like that's oh, yeah that, that's it, where it's different away from home that's what I'm saying it's yeah. like I'm totally fine. I still think you can be strong defensively and still show a little attacking flair. There's no like it's not like you have to give up one thing to get another. I think they and I think this year they do have the uh, starting point of a midfield that can do that where they can create and and push the ball forward. Yeah, the midfield does seem so different fun, like finally this year. A couple of tweets to finish this off. Angus Walker says man of the match for him was Davies, proving he's great wherever you play him. And Jonathan at LOJD Vancouver Says the conversation around the Caps possibly moving Reyna is interesting. I think fans would only be okay with this if we bring in Arfield to replace him. Well, we'll be back with more after this. Hey, it's Stefan Runovic and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio. It's time. It's my favourite part of the show. It's wavelength time. For this episode, we're going back to 1980, and it's kind of topical. I'm okay with it. It's a minute 40. I just saw that right now. Yeah, it's, it's, a, nice, <laughs> it's a nice short song. It's a B-side from Cockney Rejects' I'm Forever Blowing Bubble single that charted when West Ham won the FA Cup. This is a song about the good old days at Upton Park with the ICF and some nice football violence, which... We'll lead us to some chat about West Ham and some football violence from this weekend. This is West Side Boys.
Cockney Rejects there from 1980 with Westside Boys. I miss Upton Park. Been there a few times. West Ham's my big English team. Everyone knows I'm an AFC Wimbledon fan. And I had the trifecta this weekend. AFC Wimbledon won 2-1. He's 5-1-2-1. The Whitecaps won 2-1. It's very rare that all three teams actually win on any given day. West Ham, though, didn't win. <laughs> Saw that on Twitter. To say the least. <laughs> but they won the PR battle. Yes. No, they didn't. <laughs> well, I think they did. Um, I want to talk about the, the West Ham situation and kind of tying it in a little bit with MLS, and then we're going to have some MLS news in this section as well. Everyone I've seen the West Ham fans protesting. Now, you can condemn or condone <laughs> how, how this played out. Are you talking about the fans who were in front of the press well, the director's box the, or the, the fans on the pitch? The guys on the pitch probably did cross the line. You literally, probably sh- literally. Yeah, literally. <laughs> they crossed yeah, loads of lines. You probably shouldn't be on a football pitch. I may have been on a football pitch in the past. There's nothing wrong, though, with protesting. And for me, you should be protesting in the stadium mm-hmm. because A, it has the biggest visual impact and B, it lets the owners or whoever you're protesting about know exactly how you're feeling. We did it, like we were boycotting matches at East Fife. That's my other thing, I like staying away. But we were boycotting matches at East Fife, but for one of the games, we sent somebody in dressed in a chicken suit who went in, he actually let himself in from one of the, he didn't pay, we let, we let him in one of the security gates. He got in, walked along, went up the stairs and sat beside our chairman who were trying to force out and he called the police and the phone call was like, there's a chicken harassing me. You don't get that every day. But if you don't protest at the games, I don't see how you get your message across. I mean, Joe, you're from my neck of the woods, kind of. A little bit over the water. What did you make of the whole West Ham thing? Um, First of all, it was surreal to watch it. Um, It was the the midweek or three o'clock game in in England, I think. It's like one of the big ones. Um, I was fast forwarding by that point because I had it on PVR then yeah. I stopped and I was like oh this is good and it affected the players so much as well but that's yeah. a, kind of a different conversation um, and also just on as an aside shouldn't the, the players who like, Mark Noble pushed one of the fans shouldn't yeah. he gotten a red card for yeah, that should have yeah, totally. yeah, that's yeah. yeah. anyway that's a, that's aside the protesting thing there's a different culture to protesting back in yes. back in uh, well, Britain and Ireland um, but I, I, I generally agree with you like there's been pro- plenty of protests that we've seen in in the like in the English professional divisions, Newcastle try and organise them every couple of months. And, yeah, <laughs> but like you know, it seems like they're not organised very well. They walk from the bar that they were going to drink on anyway to the stadium that they were going to go to anyway. Yeah. Arsenal fans have things. the best protests, I think. Oh, the, the oh, A4 the piece of paper. No, 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 the Wenger out one. Yeah. yeah, because not only do you see it at soccer matches, you see it everywhere. Yeah. Political protests. Political protests. Yeah. You have Wenger out. Yeah. Graduations. Everywhere. Yeah, there's yeah. so many Wenger outs but everywhere. I think the West Ham fans like. That was a, f- a good protest. That was fin- we're all talking about it. If now. I had been there, I would have been. I wouldn't have been on the pitch, probably. But I would have been there. But, at the yeah. press, I think yeah. it would have been depended how many pies you had. And, if and you were on the, pitch. Yeah. The, the thing is, the chairman cannot get away from that now. No, yeah, like the, David Gold and David Sullivan um, seem to who are the chairmans of West Ham. Like, it, I, I think a lot of things just goes over, go over their head. Like the, the, the problem was they sold this dream of look. We know you don't want to leave the bowling ground. But if you go here, we'll get all these extra fans, yeah. all this extra money. We'll be challenging for Europe. Yeah. Now, they're, not even now they're facing relegation. Yeah. Well, they were in Europe last season. They just got knocked out in the qualifying stages yeah. of the Europa League, which was terrible. It's just, it's just 
sad like Upton Park had such a magical yeah. thing the chicken run was like a terrifying place for opposition players and it was a great little stadium turning it to kind of an MLS thing At this side of the pond yeah this side of the pond <laughs> I feel this is what Columbus fans need to be doing they need to take their protests to the next level. But they need to get some people in the stands in order to do that. That's well, the problem. Yeah. Some people yeah. protest got, because they're not going. Yeah, now. they only got just over 11,000 uh, yeah. at their game against Montreal. And that's yesterday. after a win in their first match against the TFC. But can, I, I can get, you blame them? No, no I, I don't mean, blame I, them. I get that because that, that's the thing. If you're protesting in the stadium, you've already given the owner money. And well, you don't want to do that. Well, remember last year, they everybody they renewed their tickets as much as possible. Then yes, they then announced, announced it, and then they said yeah. there's no refunds. Available. That was like that was that was scummy. Yeah, but I, I see. I agree with you. I, I hadn't thought about it the way that Michael put it earlier. That like the be, the most uh, publicity you will get will be if it does happen in the stadium, um, as long as it is shown. That would be yeah. my worry in MLS that they would completely ignore it and just not show it. But you're talking about like MLS branded content and yes. things like that. Like how much? Well, just like on a live game, like the TV yeah. cameras would turn away yeah. or or whatever. But like I think you can't like the Save the Crew stuff, which like is amazing. I, I really love it. Like you can't really get away from it on MLS stadiums. You know the white the Southsiders have a thing. And yeah, I think Curva have one as well. Like the one of the the Columbus fluorescent yellow kind of signs. Like I I guess if you didn't know what the whole Save the Crew thing was, you wouldn't understand why that was there. Like, I think that's kind of what you're saying, Michael, because it's very much people who have to make an effort to get like information that doesn't yeah. come straight from the MLS, if, especially if it's not about your own club. Like I don't think anyone from Seattle or Portland know who AFTN are or anything like that, right? Well, maybe they do for, for bad reasons. So. <laughs> from Radio, Radio Cascadia. Cascadia. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, but, um, but no, yeah. yeah, I mean, apart from the hardcore, you, you are maybe not going to know about Save the Crew. And it's such a... But the government's getting involved now. Yeah. yeah. But uh, the Ohio st- yeah, state attorney. It just yes. seems like no one really knows, except for pre-court and the MLS. Nobody really knows what's actually happening. Even with well, yeah. even with the things we're com- hearing coming I, out of city hall. I know we I know we don't know exactly what's happening, but you can tell what's happened. <laughs> Essentially, what it, they're trying to screwed, do. Basically, yeah. there's there's a couple of things about this. One, okay, so the eleven thousand or whatever in the stadium. Is be partly partly because this is this is like the movie Major League, where the team is like doing very little to promote it. I don't know if you saw the guy on Twitter is like, "Hey, how much is MLS talking about Columbus?" And they're like, you "Yes." Know, and even though they've been a, a, a Just respectable slightly team, less than the White Caps. it's yeah. like it's like their Canadian team or something. Yeah. And then the other the other it nearly are the other stuff that's happening with Austin. And I'm sorry if I'm jumping ahead to your BC soccer headlines. No, no, scene, no, but, it's part of this. But uh, one of the crazy things, one of the pre-court's biggest complaints about about Columbus is the fact that the stadium is four miles outside of town. Yeah. Well, the latest site they're looking at in Austin. <laughs> yeah. It's not in town. It's 10 miles out of town, and it's built like on a – nothing's built there because there was like, I don't know, radioactive waste or something under the side. There's some kind of, you know, bad hazardous thing at the site, and, and that's why it's available. Well, their color scheme always kind of reminds me of that kind of <laughs> warning sign in the first place. Do you feel, though, that there is an appetite in North America for the kind of protest that, that we saw at West Ham? Well, part of the problem is... Didn't, North, New North, Eng- didn't New England do something like that a couple of years ago? The fort had issues and all got kicked out. Yeah. At various points, yeah. Yeah, well, that, was, all, but that was for... Yeah, their but, yeah. No, the problem is, Michael, is that people view or understand a club or a sports team in a different way here. Like in, in England, in, in Germany, in Europe, people there believe, and well, in some, in some cases, well, in Germany... They they actually own the club, right? It's yeah. their, it's it's theirs. It's a part of who they are. It's a part of their community. Whereas here, they're just businesses that are in a town and can be moved, 
you know, if things don't go well. It's just the business. And so the business has to make money and that's the most important thing. Where they're they're like a community asset, if you will. And so I, that's why you when, when things in the past have, uh, even in Vancouver, when thing, there's been like, hey, maybe something should be done to express a concern over X, Y, or Z, too many people have been like, well, no, I'm having a good time. We should just, and, and, that's, I, and, and I'm, I'm not putting that, I'm not putting that well. perspective yeah. down. I'm just no, saying. No, but I've often heard it said here, oh, we don't want to do this at the stadium. We want to do it well, like, only place online to do it. after, yeah. exactly, which means nothing. It's like the way to hit clubs is in the pocket. Not buying merchandise, not buying tickets, yeah. not turning up, not creating an atmosphere, and that's the tough thing with the crew because then if they don't turn up, oh, they're going to give Pico all the ammunition that they're getting yeah, exactly. because yeah, it's a win-win for him. But the dangerous thing, which everyone needs to recognise, and I know we're preaching to the converted for the folk that, folk that listen to a soccer podcast are not the guys that we need to get this message out to. You look around MLS this weekend, and the attendances were shocking. It was poor in New England. It was poor in Colorado. These are teams that should watch because it starts with the crew. And then as more and more of these ambitious markets want to get a team and they're not opening it up, these teams will get moved. I think I think we've said it on the the supporter yeah, stuff the, when we talk about extra this podcast. is, you know, this is really uh, MLS is in like a post. Uh, the golden era of the supporter groups is it's it's kind of yeah. past that. Well, to give a quick update on what's going on uh, now that we're talking about the crew, uh, the well, like we said, the Ohio Attorney General and the City of Columbus are suing Precourt and MLS. It's called the Modell Law, uh, named after Arthur Modell, former uh, owner of the Cleveland Browns who moved the team to Baltimore uh, some years ago. Um, uh, it's basically if if the city is give or the state is giving you tax breaks or uh, just basically gave you money. Yeah, or taxpayers' uh, money. You used. have to... You have to find either uh, a suitable option or f- uh, or find owners that are willing to keep uh, keep the club in that team yes. uh, in that city. Um, the funny thing is, is the uh, obviously didn't work for Cleveland, but they did get their team back eventually a couple years later when the team did the last game. They actually held a funeral procession for the Cleveland Browns where they actually had a coffin and they walked it out of the stadium, which was uh, kind of. Uh, all like inspiring at the time. Charlton did that too, didn't they recently? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so basically, uh, but uh, going to Austin, you're talking about that location. That's going to be delayed too because apparently people are taking breaks. The city council in Austin. Yeah. So we'll see it, exactly. It, it does sound like the Austin council but, don't want it, and they're just trying no, to do everything no, possible. Or I some th- some members. I think I think they're okay with this site. The one you're talking, the one that's ten mm-hmm. miles outside. They're okay with this site. It was the parkland that they were that they didn't want. I okay. I'm not the first person to say this, and I'm not going to be the last either. Like it drives me crazy that a team like New York can play in a baseball field, and then like Miami FC couldn't get a stadium approved and had to like get a good grounds and things like that. Yeah. Like, why isn't a level playing field for these clubs? It's just yeah. infuriating. And, and look that, at look at the horrible venue that they've they've played New England in for years. Yeah, yeah. And DC United before they got the new stadium. Yeah. The Twitter thing that uh, that Zach mentioned earlier, I, I read through that. It's really fantastic. I urge anyone to look for it. I, I think most of us must have retweeted yeah, it already. Yeah, I think we all probably retweeted it. Yeah, it was it was great. Like I, I actually had tried to do something like that last season, but it was it was too too much work for me on my own. But uh, it, like it really does put into a, like a single picture, like the sentiment that a lot of uh, fans of like the more unpopular teams seem to have. Like uh, you know, like of course there's like the good stories that the MLS want to push like Atlanta and like Toronto last season, things like that. But I don't know. It, it feels like 
being let down by like our collective, like the person that's supposed to make sure everything is equal. Like not not in just like a social media sense, but you think of all like the transfers and things like that, or um, you know who gets the big games and or the TV coverage. Mm. It's just kind of all mushed into one kind of picture in that uh, in that. Uh, who gets the All Star game and stuff like that? Yeah, but at least I mean Columbus are at least doing it on the pitch. Two wins and two now, and they had a uh, they've beaten two two Canadian teams. So. Yeah, we're so generous as yeah. a nation. We're, we're we're giving them these points, but. We're going to look at the MLS West. We're not going to review all of MLS like we did last. But We're just going to look at the Western teams. Let's start off with the newcomers. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Los Angeles, former Chivas, which I believe the RSL TIFO worked out that that's what LAFC stands for. They've kept their tag as the only unbeaten team in MLS history. 5-1 right of RSL, who actually took the lead. I've also heard that they're the only team, exp- exp- new team to the league to... Start with two wins in a row. And both on the road as well. And, and it was led by Diego Rossi, who got a yeah. brace. That game featured something that I'm a very big fan of. A penalty for a tackle with no contact, which it was a foul. The tackle was dangerous, so it was a foul. He didn't touch the player. The player kind of jumped over the tackle, yeah. and the ref gave the penalty. Yeah, Fantastic. I didn't, I didn't like that, but I can but see why it was given. Yeah. Because he, he basically jumped he over, over the to ball. avoid the tackle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's how RSL took the lead. But that's how it should be. Like yeah. you know, we never see it happen. But there should be there doesn't need to be contact for BFL. I once I remember once seeing that happen to Steven Gerrard in in uh, that English league. Uh, yeah, he 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 missed the tackle, or he went over the tackle, but the, the penalty was given. I I agree. for my first thought, Michael, I felt the same with you. I thought he just jumped over that. That should be. But and then he missed. <laughs> Joao Plata oh, missed yeah. the penalty. Then he, then he buried the rebound. But Roy Keane once swung a punch at Alan Shearer, and he missed, but he got a red card yeah. for that. You know, the yeah. same kind of principle. <laughs> the RSL defence, though, they looked awful. They were cut wide open. It's great for us. We yeah. head there next month. I think as long as there's no snow this time, <laughs> I think we that could be another away win that we're looking at. Mike, Mike, Mike Pecky had to do one of his post-matches. I apologise to the owners. I apologise to the fans. Did he have any It won't slides? happen again. No, no slides. Oh, it's not the same without slides. Did the freaking printer work this time? <laughs> <laughs> uh, their freaking defence didn't the, work, the, I'll tell the, you that. Defending was shocking in that game. Yeah. Now, we could quickly jump over this one, although New England, Colorado. Yeah. Um, it, it was a 2-1 win for New England on a last-second uh, free kick by Chris Tierney. We, but we, it was the missed penalty that was the the story. Yeah, <laughs> that, that and and again, remember from last, New England was playing with other two starting center backs. Yes, yeah. and they had Gabriel Somi go off in the first half as well. So they were down like three defenders. Colorado just looked really poor. Tim, I mean, they, they fought back to make it one one, but then yeah, Tim Howard continues to look poor. He, he does. So let's ever since he, he crossed the line last year. <laughs> Angriest man in the league right now. Yeah, yeah. There's, but, there's a there's a few people who. That's been in the Colorado locker room here when he's been yelling at them. That that would vouch for that. Sporting and Chicago game of the week. Oh, uh, that was a cracker. Um, if you're going to watch one MLS game this weekend, Sporting KC, Chicago. Two early goals in the in, uh, two two goals in the first half for a Sporting. They got ahead, but then after the 70th minute, that's when uh, oh, everything it, happened. Yeah, th- uh, three straight goals by Chicago in a 12 minute spell. Uh, and then and then two goals by in the last ten minutes by Sporting to take the win. Joe, Joe and I would both like to point out that please don't watch the match if you value defending. Well, <laughs> or you're a friend of Christian Dean. D- oh, yeah, D- defending is overrated. 
in MLS for sure. <laughs> it was this weekend in MLS. The winning goal, the, there were some there were some nice goals in the game. Schweinsteiger made the guy. The, the winning Johnny goal. Johnny Russell, my fellow Scott, I've got to give him a hat tip for his first did, goal. Did you see the, the winning goal with the back heel and the dummy? And yeah. Then, yeah, it was. Christian Dean did get the start for Chicago. It's great to see him back in the pitch. When you're on a defense that gives up four goals and he can definitely, you can pin point fingers at he should have done better in the first and the fourth so we're going to see how that goes but yeah uh, I'm disappointed when uh, an Eastern team can't take the three points from from the West but oh well yeah but the one team that did take yeah. the three points is the uh, Red Bulls or the Timbers 4-0 and yeah. it wasn't even a full strength far no. from being a full strength Red Bulls team as well yeah they, but, they, were, they were resting players for the Champions League but three, yeah. three of the goals came after they brought on some of their bigger players oh yeah but, but they did that, like a 17 year old score and that Ridgewell they basically labbed it back to the box and, yeah and he did it got heavily criticised by Chris Reifer and a couple of other Portland writers Taylor Twelman too oh did he <laughs> yeah Taylor Twelman he just because Taylor know, Twelman I, I don't think he would have got back to, to get to mine Tw- but apparently Twelman said that he's criticised Ridgewell in the past last year and he always gets blasted by Timbers uh, fans. So this one, he was actually in OKC. Now I need to dig out my photo of him wiping yeah. his ass with money again. The uh, <laughs> the uh, the crazy thing is Dead Bull, they, they're they the only Champions League MLS team that played this weekend. Yeah, Both, because they've got a home game. No, that's not why. That's it, not why? I don't, well, um, uh, some people think it's because they didn't think they were going to get past the Mexican team that they beat. No, the Tijuana, the no but but it, no, they're playing at home, and then the the Champions League game is at home too, so they yeah. don't have to. Not like they're coming home yeah, and then traveling I think back that somewhere. Is, yeah, that is. But bad. it's interesting how both Toronto and Seattle got the weekend off. Good for them. Yeah, but Toronto did play last weekend and then had their home game, so it's that's why it's because it's a home game for New York. Yeah, but they got the game moved. I, I remember last yeah, no year. No conspiracy theory. Last last year, San Jose away didn't get moved. No. But Timbers, let's hope it continues. But they look, they had a few flashes in attack, but their defence looks awful. And it is early and they have got time to work on it and turn it around. I just hope they haven't by the time that we first met them, which is maybe a bit of a long ask. It looks like they only tested Robles really they want. Yeah. I th- I, do you think they're in trouble or they're just still to jail? Are you asking because you rated them so highly in the preview? Yeah. <laughs> I had them winning the West. Same, and I had same Houston year. last, so. <laughs> well, Minnesota won a game. Yeah, that was a shock. Uh, they yeah. beat Orlando. Or how, ex-Austin. How did they get Eaton, Eaton Findlay in the first place? Oh, it was, they, they spent some money. They spent sent some. They traded Tam, him from Columbus. Tam and yeah. Tam, yeah. yeah. Okay. He didn't want to go to Austin. <laughs> um, yeah, 2-1 win for Minnesota. Orlando have spent big this offseason. Not all the yeah. guys have been playing yet. They're not all ready to go, but... They nearly tied it. Will Johnson had a shot cleared off the line in the dying seconds, which is yeah. always nice to see yeah. him. Not couldn't happen to a nice guy. Yeah, an angry Will Johnson makes the world a better place, in my opinion. I'm not sure his family would agree with that, but we'll <laughs> we'll quickly move on from that. Um, then the final Western team today, Los Angeles Galaxy. If we want to talk about terrible defending and just a terrible looking team, they only lost two one in the end. Don't know how, but they were dominant. I only watched the first half, so maybe they were they were great in the second half. But New York City easily won that one two one for me. But the Galaxy not turning it around the way that a lot of folk thought they might. Did you see Cashley Cole get sent off? Yeah, I, what, for yeah. two bookable offenses yeah. and, and a, within he's ten a minutes. Yeah. I mean, come on, poor Cashley. And Ola Kamara missed like 
probably the oh, yeah. most op- well the penalty rebound was probably worse <laughs> i think but he like had an open goal and he knocked it into the goalie's face so that that won't do his confidence any good no but i mean the the caps now sitting pretty at the top of the west behind lafc behind the goats yeah has anything just in the west really surprised you over these first two weeks for me it's that portland are as bad as they are well, yeah, they've started as badly as they have. I, g- I agree with that. That's probably the biggest one. Also, I didn't think LAFC would be as strong as they have shown either. I didn't know the Whitecaps would do so well, to be honest. But uh, the other one is how RSL just don't seem to have it together at all. Like they had to, they had to. Um, their their DP, what's his name? Uh, who, who's like basically frozen out of the team? That they, they had their DP striker last season when when oh. um, what's his the, name? The Armenian uh, Ura. Yeah, he was yeah. released. Yeah, they had to buy out his yeah. contract and things like that. Like, it just doesn't seem like a happy dressing room. The funny thing was, that broke, like, last Friday when they had the media day at BC Place, that news broke, and we were all reading it, and we had just been talking to Greg Anderson, and three of us in unison independently turned around and went, Greg! <laughs> I didn't think they should sign him, though. <laughs> no, he wasn't one. No, no. <laughs> he, he didn't bite, though. We're not, we're not signing him. Eh, That's good because I think we struggle enough with pronunciation on this show. That would just yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, Champions League is coming up. There are three teams. Yeah, well, Um, got to give a hat tip to the three MLS sides. I want them all to lose, but I have to say that was three good performances by them. Let's rank uh, instead of like completely previewing. Let's rank who you think has the best chance of getting through out of the three. New York, New York. York, I think I agree with that. They're the only one that's going through. I think Toronto have a really tough tough chance because they got the giveaway with the away goal. Yeah. But I think they finished the last game very well. Um, yeah, Sorio got the last-minute winner yeah. to make it 2-1. Yeah. I mean, they are going there with the lead. The pitch in that match was shocking. We were yeah. watching it while recording the preview podcast, sorry. Um, <laughs> and it was so bad, the pitch. I don't think the Mexican team could believe, uh, Tigres could believe like what they were playing on. It, yeah. was, it was worse than the sound in the, the preview podcast. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard the, the, the Mexicans didn't like the temperature. I don't know if you heard this, but yeah. they, they came out like... Eight minutes into the warm up and left like six minutes early or vice versa or something like they were not, they did not use their half hour in the warm up. They've got that away goal though, so you have to feel that they're going to do it. And Seattle beat Chivas, and you've got to feel that's that's the one that's in the middle that could go either way. I think yeah. depending on how Seattle plays. Again, um, they needed more than one goal. For yeah, me. both both of them needed to go to Mexico with more than one goal. But I think Red Toronto's Bulls in the biggest trouble. But I think the Red Bulls are, are have a very good chance to go through. Yeah, if, as Timmy long as Parker it, played yeah. down in Tijuana. So talked about the the MLS weekend review there, and it's going to be a an interesting week in CCL action. Obviously, I can't wish any of the teams well because I want them to lose and. And the Whitecaps to become the first ever MLS team to win the the Champions League. Hey, when you watch Champions Champions League this week, are you going to get some takeout? I might, because I always get hungry watching football. And do you know someone else that gets hungry? A lot. Armand. Take me out! So again, it's at night, you, you can't be bothered cooking, you decide to get some takeout food. What is your takeout food of choice? Uh, let's see. Um, well, that situation happened last night and I went with some, <laughs> uh, some Jamaican food. I ordered oh. some Jamaican food from Gastown, so that's probably my go-to comfort food, Caribbean food. That's my background. So, Or I could always do uh, a nice Nachiki Nando's. 
ordered in. <laughs> Actually, Phil Dorn used to freeze cheeky Nando's over here, so it's interesting to hear you say that. My missus is English, so oh, so oh. I get it from her. Okay, there you go. <laughs> like, how do you find the food here then compared to what you had in, in Salt Lake? Um, yeah, I think the food is really good here. Um, it's a lot of chain restaurants, which I was nervous about, yeah. but the chains are so good. Like, um, you know, you have your Burgoos, your Cactus Clubs, and your Earls and stuff, and the food's always really good and really accessible. There's so many locations, so it's, it's quite convenient. And so far, so good. Superb. Armand loves a little cheeky Nando's. Do you like a cheeky Nando's, Zach? Um, I've been to Nando's. It's not my favorite. No, a little, not little mine. Bit too, a little bit too spicy for me. I what, like it. What's your little cheeky dish, then? Um. <laughs> Do you like a cheeky pizza? No, uh, bacon. Anything bacon. Cheeky. Oh, actually, yeah. We have been out, and you do love your bacon. Yeah. We should do a take me out with us, just so the folk know where we go. Down um, the road. Yeah. <laughs> it's time now for BC Soccer Web Headlines. BC Soccer Web Headlines is brought to you in partnership with bcsoccerweb.com. Your one-stop site for local, national and international news and links. Make it part of your everyday routine. Check out bcsoccerweb.com. Apart from all the MLS stuff that we just covered, Steve, what's been catching your eye on the site this week? Uh, a, a few things here and there. Um, first of all, uh, the UK is, pon- I don't know how serious this is, they're pondering a World Cup boycott. Yes, because Scotland's already done that, just, just, to, just to point that out. Uh, because there is boycotting since '98. Because there's a little bit of spying going. On. Well, not a spying, but a poisoning of spies. Yes. Um, the Russians have apparently poisoned one of their double agents. Or oh, the fact that we're even talking about this now, we're all so it's, it's 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 kind of weird. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's a lot of rhetoric. It was just Boris Johnson that said he was going to boycott. Yeah. Well, so then you don't really take no. that seriously at all. Um, I'd I'd love England to pull out. Yeah, that's the Brexit cartoonish looking dude with the blonde hair. Yeah, yeah. Um, there uh, officially on Tuesday it was a hundred days to the World Cup. Really? So they were, so they were <laughs> they were looking at um, the I think it was the Guardian. Yeah, the Guardian was looking at like what where everything stands, and of course we've updated what's going on. For example, the hotel prices. The fact that they're trying to get arranged boxing matches between supporters to curb I, vote, I hope to curb of all violence they want to arrange boxing matches so people don't ride on it's the not streets. A World Cup without a little bit of battling uh, in the streets. Does anyone know how that stadium is where they built the stand outside? Oh. The <laughs> <laughs> so and and then just uh, uh, what what they're talking about like some of the trouble spots where they think is going to happen and stuff like that. So it's a good Wherever read. Wherever England are, um, and then um, there is a little bit of a shakeup. With the World Cup, uh, especially on the in the like the chair or the board or whatever, um, Russian Deputy PM um, Vitaly Mutko has now been removed 
from the World Cup. He's also been banned from the Olympics. He was part of that whole uh, government-sponsored uh, drug. Doping, yeah. uh, the one that came in the Icarus uh, Netflix uh, documentary, which is really good, and actually won the Oscar for documentary film, so it's really worth watching. So, yeah, he's been removed. He's been replaced by somebody who was probably, who was probably just wasn't caught. Or wasn't implicated in the previous that's, thing, so that's, it was also a James Bond thing, wasn't it? The Icarus. Icarus. Which one was that in? The Icarus. That's just something Craig Ferguson did a couple of times on, on his his late Talk night show. show yeah. So I'm going back a few years. It's a ni- niche comedy on this. Niche comedy, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it was a really good show though. Uh, Craig Ferguson at night. His his replacement, James Corden, was actually training with LAFC. They they had a practice game. They just lost a little bit worse than RSL did against them. So. <laughs> Um, Morocco and speculation regarding AFCON 2019 hosting rights. Uh, there was rumors that they might take over for Cameroon as host in 2019. They said they're not because they're, so they're playing nice with their African, uh, uh, counterparts. Doesn't this happen every AFCON? Like, oh, for sure. Yeah. It was Mali before this and then they yeah. moved it last minute to somewhere else. But they say they're not, not looking not the to the most host stable of footballing bodies, which is also the footballing body that could screw us over for the World Cup as we, we talked about last week. So um, uh, we know. I know we talked about the um, MLS stuff, uh, but there's a couple of things to talk about. Yeah, uh, some non-crew stuff. Uh, uh, Miami uh, looks like they are getting their site, even though I thought they had their site when the thing was announced. But it, apparently, uh. it's like going to be at, uh, at a golf course um, or near a golf course <laughs> where the the thing is going to be, or on top, or they're replacing a golf course. Four. <laughs> <laughs> Easy there. You blew the mic stand. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so th- that's going to be interesting to see. Um, there was an editorial about what the taxpayers get for investment in the soccer stadium. They're talking mm. about the Philadelphia uh, soccer stadium because um, that was supposed to be a whole like waterfront, uh, you know, mega complex with shopping and entertainment, and it's really turned out to be nothing. It's at not all. in a I've, nice area. Have, any, have you ever well, been there? It was supposed no, to, I've heard it's I've not been there. Area. It's, yeah, it's it was not, supposed to be developed nice into area. a nice area, but nothing oh. ever happened well, because of some all the horrible down, yeah, downturn in the economy or something like that that they weren't able to do it's it. A, it's a dodgy area. Mm. It's very cheesy there, I heard. Uh, MLS fans emerge as the growing as growing league's harshest critics. Uh, it was kind oh, of did they speak to Zach? I think so. <laughs> um, no, they were talking about how uh, in the past there have been protests within the organ, uh, group and everything like that. They mentioned New England and a couple other locations, and I think that was it. Uh, World Cup, World Cup twenty twenty six, World Cup shuffle uh, shuffles leadership. Uh, Sunil Gladi remains on board. But he has res- re- either resigned or been removed as sole chairman. He's going to be replaced by co-chairman, recently elected Carlos Cordero, Stephen Reed from uh, ca- Canada, yep. and Mexican Good president Tito De Mario, De, De Maria. Sorry, De Mario, De Maria. <laughs> sorry, it was Mario's birthday a couple days ago. Only, only football show on the radio. <laughs> Number <laughs> yeah. one in pronunciation. It's come, reading. Come, come I was not pronunciation. I read it wrong. Insight. Stay for the reading. <laughs> Oh, but what do you guys think about that? Uh, is that was a um, kind of he's still desperate gonna move? His, he's going to have his fingers in the but pie. I, but, but he's not the chairman, so he's not going to no. be up front anymore. So I don't know if it's the same article or is it another article. Then it, then didn't Bladder say? Yeah, this is, it's another article. Yeah, I could talk about that right now. Um, they say that the Canada, Mexico, U.S. seem afraid that they won't win the 26th. 2026 World Cup. And that's why well, he had something to do with it because he was talking, he was endorsing Africa. But yeah. then he thinks America's going to win, anyways. But I don't know. So I don't know where he's coming from. He's obviously upset that he, the. He misses the legal. being in the headlines. Yeah. But he says Morocco may not be able to hold a 48 team uh, tournament. I don't it, think they can. Yeah. Why is Sepp Blatter worried? He's banned for. 
from football for like 40 years or something. Yeah. He? Like he He'll be dead by Six then. years, I think oh, it was. I don't know. It, it <laughs> was six years. It was six years. But he does, he also, in the same article, he does claim he voted for the U.S. in the 2022 World Cup. Maybe. Sure. Yeah. I just think he doesn't want to go to jail. <laughs> um, Canadian news, obviously. No one really does it. Canada soccer, the national team will play uh, for their. Uh, oh, wait, that, what, what about like bubbles? CONCACAF. Uh, Group stage or whatever they're going to call it. Uh, Concord group stage. Uh, they're going to be hosting Dominica and French Guiana. Dominica in October, French Guiana in March. And they'll be playing at U.S. Virgin Islands and at St. Kitts and Nevis. Yeah, two that only counts for one match, though. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> dis- That's about unfair. There's three teams on the pitch. <laughs> it's disappointing that the, the I think it's the U.S. Virgin, Island, uh, Virgin Islands game is like in the like throws of like hurricane season yeah. so it's yeah. not great to travel to I was thinking I'd go into it though but see I went to the Canaries and I didn't see one Canary so I'm not sure about going to the US Virgin Islands anymore <laughs> yeah and if you don't understand well, that might be a good reason to go <laughs> if you don't understand the, what we're talking about there's a great article by Steve Sandor on the 11.ca about how he uh, how to uh, he tries to explain the nations oh, they yeah. qualify yes. So read that one if you're confused a little yeah, bit. 600 simple steps. Because if we, we try to explain it, we're going to 130. There's promotion and relegation, which everyone's wanting. Yeah. Yeah. We're not a top tier team in Canada. No. Not yet. No. Not yet. We're, we're getting there. Is Her? this the same as the European Nations League? Yeah. yeah. Similar. Yeah. I, I actually, I'm very, f- I'm in favor of that for the European game because the discrepancy between the quality of sides is like, is huge there. But I don't know for North America, is there enough teams to actually implement see, this properly? I don't properly? think there is. And that's that's my problem with expanding the Gold Cup as well. But, I mean, these games, but here's the thing, where if you, are they going to be played and how many fans are going to No, but here's back? the thing. For Canada, though, you need competitive games well, to it's help gonna, it's climb gonna, the yeah, rankings. It's going to count for ranking points, so and we it's gonna get into double digits. Because it's the tournament-type thing, you get more points instead of friendlies. Yeah, yeah. unless you lose to one of these teams and then you're going to be... Boy, if they lose to one of these uh, teams, who? Uh, Herdman must go. Final thing of talking about Herdman, his former team um, finished fifth at the Algrave uh, Soccer Tournament. Uh, Concert FC. Uh, I don't he played know. Played for Concert. Uh, his former team that he coached. Oh, okay. Canadians women's team uh, finished with uh, three wins, one loss. They lost in the opener to Sweden, who are, I think were the eventual champs, and um, they beat Russia, South Korea, and Japan. Who? <laughs> So the so essentially uh, three wins, one loss in four games, but they finished fifth. I don't know how they do these rankings and stuff like that, which is weird. The most important thing though is that Christine Sinclair three scored goals, three goals. She's twelve back of that, Abby Wambach. That, 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 yeah. And was it Jesse Fleming had her fiftieth cap? She's no, like, Janine Becky. Janine Becky yeah. nineteen, and she's already got fifty caps. Wow. Yeah, they That's, they play a lot of games. Yeah. Yeah, they have to because there's not much of a league at that. No. Early, not, there is now, but before there was not very much of a league. Um, and they have lots of tournaments, obviously. Obviously, uh, one last thing. Uh, I hope you read this. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, Steve Sandor yep. again. We talked about it for 11.ca. To be evangelical Canadian PL boosters, we can't be preaching to the choir. Yeah, it's basically he's saying that we need if if you're gonna be if you want to help this league. You got to expand who you talk to and bring in other people in order to uh, avoid just doing it in the same circles. Almost like 
Uh, no, actually, I'm not going to say it because we'll get sidetracked. But it's eventually going to, eventually, we're just going to be talking to the same people. And we're not going to expand yeah. the, the family. So he gave a good example of going to some of the YEG for CanPL stuff in Edmonton, and it, lots of valid points. And this is this is a, a legitimate concern. Like when I talk to people in other parts of the country who are excited about the Canadian Premier League, and you talk about who they're connecting with and how many and stuff. Uh, one, their passion is awesome, and, the, and that's encouraging. And there's uh, some people who've started doing medium to heavy lifting, and in terms of making things happen in their their communities and all that kind of stuff. But what Steve says is really, really important. I think I think the the what's hopefully going to happen in the Fraser Valley is a little bit different because I think there already is a, a significant number of people in that region who are already passionate about football, but there is still the work that needs to go beyond. It needs to go. One of the one of his my favorite parts of his points is it has to go beyond social media. Oh, for sure. It, it has to because you're you create your own bubble in social media, and then therefore you limit who you can connect with. And it needs to be. It does need to be face to face. It needs to be with the people you work with, the people who live on your street. Those are the people you need to be connecting with and I'll, saying, "Hey, come come be a part of this, or come try this." Hey, Joe, come to football with me this weekend. I'll, but see, Joe's already going to be there. That's no. the point. He's I was talking pretending about Joe was not. Oh, he's not wearing a hey, Bruce hey, Dortmund. Uh, hey, Marco <laughs> Royce, come to the, come to the. <laughs> Game with me. No, but uh, you're talking about can't be just social media. It's funny though. The uh, I heard, I learned, I can't remember where I heard this this last week. Atlanta United, when they started promoting their thing, they only went social media. They didn't go any TV, any radio, any print media. They were going all social media. So this is a demographic thing, though. Yeah. If you're in the Fraser Valley, it's different if you're in the middle of Vancouver. If yeah. you're in the middle of Vancouver, do what the Whitecaps do, right? They yeah. they do social media, they do buses and things like that. In the Fraser Valley, it's different because it's more, uh, not it's decentralized and like you know people like people drive places and they don't take the bus as much because yeah. everything's more spread out, right? Like it's more like marketing, like billboards and things like that. If you're going to do the Canadian Premier League and things like that, and who's going to pay for that is the question. Yeah. But the but the thing is. My understanding is a big part of these these Canadian Premier League clubs is they're being built around community, and so it, there does need to be the sense of this natural groundswell, this natural hey, like I want I I'm, I'm excited about football, I'm excited about soccer. I'm going to invite the people I know to come and be part of this. I, I understand that point, and it's absolutely valid. I'm way I'm behind that, but I think a lot of things can be learned from what the TSS Rovers have been doing. Like they have a community that existed before the team even existed because of their their program, their youth system, and things like that. Like that's a great starting point to have. And I wonder, like it's the first time I'm ever thinking of this, but could a Canadian Premier League team be built around like you know Langley Soccer or something like that? Like you know, have kind of involvement in that oh, level. Oh, for sure. They and have. Then, yeah. then you I have mean, Langley Soccer's got a great setup out there. Yeah, and then you have an, a network of parents, of potential volunteers, of future fans, young like a, a place for the the players to go. Like what was the percent like? 0.04% of Canadian soccer players can turn professional. That's like the statistic and, I saw. And schedule like, schedule games when there isn't any uh, those um, the, the the youth soccer is going on. Don't schedule games when the youth soccer is going on. Schedule uh, off that. That way those people who normally would come to the games, they're not busy with doing something else. Yeah, Joe, I think the thing you're talking about, uh, I think people involved with the CPL are very well aware of what, what, you're, what you're talking about. Just talking about social media in Atlanta, I read something today that LAFC, they have a Spanish-language Twitter account. That they never tweet from. They haven't <laughs> tweeted anything from their two games to this Spanish market, which is obviously who they're trying to get a lot of the fan base in. So that seems baffling. 
forty percent of their fan base is Spanish. Apparently, too. yeah. Yeah. Last thing I want to talk about just before we we wrap the show up. This wasn't, I don't think, in BC soccer web headlines, but I I just want to, to we talked about the cruise situation. I want to talk about a situation in England. It's a a team. I'm a member of their supporters trust for the last couple of seasons. Dulwich Hamlet FC. They have been going through oh, okay, a I horrendous yeah. time at the moment. They're 125 years old. They've played at their ground since 1912. These property developers bought their ground and then tried to force them out because they wanted to build houses on it. Dulwich Hamlet got a council to, to block it and they couldn't get kicked out. So what the owners have done now instead is they've trademarked Dulwich Hamlet's name They've tra- uh, trademarked the Hamlet and they've trademarked DHFC and they've s- sent a cease and desist letter to Dulwich Hamlet saying they can't use any of those terms in any of their advertising. So they've temporarily left the ground. They're going to play at their fierce rivals oh. who offered their stadium up, which is fantastic. Actually, two of the, their rivals did. Leatherhead were one of them, but they're they're actually going to play... I've totally forgotten who they're going to be playing that. Hold on a second. Joe Joe is turning into the Hulk as you talk about all of this. Oh, Tooting and Mitchum, that's who it was. It, that, I, was I was following this as well. Yeah, it's it, unbelievable. It's terrible. Like, it's Every season there seems to be a club that has this happen to them. The Charlton things have been going on for a while. Uh, like now Columbus is something closer to home and Dulwich Hamlet. Like, you feel so bad for these fans, yeah. to be honest. And, uh, but uh, the thing is, is okay, now that they've moved out, have they gotten their rights back to their their names and everything? Or are they still holding There was such own? a media storm, and, like, big presenters, even Piers Morgan stuff, did stuff, and it was on ITV News. It looks like they've kind of backed down, because the oh. solicitors that sent the letter didn't realise they were just sending the letter. Oh, yeah. of course, yeah. And then they've had all this backlash, and now it looks like they may have backed down from it. On the Twitter, on, du- on Dulles Hamlet's Twitter page, I, I looked at the comments below of people responding and there was lawyers there like saying, oh, use this as your defense. Yeah, here's a, here's lots a of link. lawyers have jumped yeah. in. Their yeah. fierce rivals have jumped in. It, it's great to see yeah. the community getting together. It's a situation that shouldn't happen. You can find out more by going to dulwichhamletfc.co.uk. I really urge you to join the Supports Trust if you can. It's only £10 for the year. And they're a great club for... People like here in Vancouver, the Pacific Northwest, they share a a lot of the same ideologies. They're a left-wing club, very similar to St. Pauli. They're anti-fascist, they're anti-racist, they're anti-homophobe. They're a very welcoming community. They bring in lots of immigrants to the the team and help them get into the culture in London. They're a fantastic team to support. I've followed them for the last couple of years and just try and support them if you can. Support the cause. Speaking of St. Pauli... They're coming to North America. They are. Yeah, they're, they're playing in Portland. And Detroit City FC. Yeah, which is... A, a, Portland 2. Yeah, Portland, Portland, two. yeah Portland 2. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of folk going down to that. So if you have any, any interest in clubs like St. Pauli, definitely check out Dulwich Hamlet FC. But anyway, that is it for this week's episode of the show. Just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online. Oh, just give me a second. I'm just signing up right now in Dulwich Hamlet. <laughs> oh, no. um, you can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. For me, it's at Zachary AM, and I'm part of the Movement Curver Collective. And you can find me at Joe DC Van. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada, on Instagram at AFTN Soccer. Read our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. And if you've liked this episode of the show, leave us a review on iTunes. And if you haven't, we've been Soccer Talk. <laughs> but until next time, thanks for listening.
Take care. Watch out for the preview podcast on Thursday. And mourn the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.